0: Lucinda Caroline Gashy, Murder in the Morning. Just before dawn on Sunday morning, September 1, 1872, fifteen year old Emily Gashy was shaken awake by her mother, who came into the room where she and her sisters, Laura, twelve, and Matilda, nine, were sleeping. Get up and go get your brother Omer, Ma said. The urgency in her voice brought all the girls instantly awake. Something terrible had happened. Mother's face was stark white. Without questioning, the girls rose and rushed out to obey Mother's command. To reach the boys' rooms upstairs, they had to pass through the adjoining downstairs bedroom, where their parents and baby sister Ludie slept. Little Matilda was the first to see the horrific sight of their father's battered face lying on the blood-soaked pillow. Welcome to the first episode of Murder and Mayhem in Jefferson County, Missouri. This is Mindy Hudson, genealogist at the Jefferson County Library in Missouri. Each week we will bring a new story about murders and other shocking events that have occurred in the county throughout its 200-year history. Jefferson County is located about 25 miles south of St. Louis, Missouri. Established in 1818, the county was formed by carving out sections of St. Louis and St. Genevieve counties, while Missouri was still only a territory of the United States. Nestled in the foothills of the Ozark Mountains, it is bordered on the east by the Great Mississippi River. Two smaller rivers— the Big River, and the Merrimack River flow through it, feeding multiple creeks and streams. The land is hilly and rocky, not actually suitable for farming, but the hardy immigrants who settled here in the early 19th century managed to eke out a living raising corn, fruit trees, and vineyards. Lead mining and glass production were early industries that thrived along the eastern border and close proximity to st louis and the mighty mississippi provided ample supplies for the early pioneer settlers whose native countries included england france switzerland germany bohemia ireland and the american colonies particularly the southern states many of our county's most notable personalities such as moses austin william clark of lewis and clark fame and many others had connections to the county having lived here worked here or passed through here leaving behind a very rich and interesting imprint on the narratives of the county even so there were plenty of shocking and headline grabbing events sprinkled throughout our history These scintillating stories capture our imagination, perhaps even more than the more honorable events, and although our generation tends to believe our ancestors led quiet, peaceable lives, they more often were gritty, dangerous, and sometimes deadly. "'Emily and Laura Gashy rushed up the stairs past their mother, "'who was busy carrying a tub of water out the kitchen door, "'which she took to the yard to empty. "'Emily later recalled wondering how she lifted the heavy half-barrel, "'because the night before it had been filled with soapy water. "'Reaching the upper floor, "'the commotion made by the excited girls woke sixteen-year-old Omer. "'Oh, Omer, hurry!' get dr pipkin someone struck pa emily cried i think he's dying omer called out to his younger brother henry to get the mare ready as henry ran barefoot out the kitchen door toward the barn omer followed his hysterical sisters down the stairs to take in the gruesome scene He and the girls noticed Ma was already dressed in her woolen calico skirt and wearing her sack apron. When had she had time to dress? The night before, she and Pa had been fighting over the younger children and were still arguing when the rest of the family laid down for the night. What happened? Omar asked. Who did this? His mother, standing in the kitchen, which was adjacent to the bedroom, answered, I don't know. It was dark, and I was asleep with the baby when I heard a lick. I opened my eyes and saw a man running out of the kitchen. Pa moaned pitifully. Remarkably, he was still alive. Go on and get Dr. Pipkin, she said calmly. Omer eyed his mother. At forty two, she was short, stout, heavy set a powerful woman who had given birth to seven children and was stepmother to three more. She and two of the other children followed him out to the barn. Overcome with rage and sadness, he turned back to his mother and snapped, ''I think you did it. Last year you threatened to poison him and told him you'd dance on his grave.'' The relationship between Lucinda Caroline Gashy and her second husband, Henry Gashi was rocky. The eldest daughter of George McFry and Theodosia Romaine, Caroline had grown up on land located near Highway C, near Morse Mill, Missouri. In 1850, she married Henry John, a German shoemaker. They had three children when he died in 1859 at about 41 years of age. At the time, Caroline's father was working as superintendent of the Jefferson County Poor Farm, which housed poor, blind, infirm, and insane county residents. The farm was located near the county seat of Hillsboro on Butcher Branch Road. She and her three children moved into the superintendent's residence with her parents. The 1860 federal census in Central Township, Jefferson County, Missouri, showed that there were 15 male and female tenants at the poor farm between the ages of 8 months to 90 years old. Some were simply destitute, but some suffered from insanity. Although the superintendent's home was comfortable, the residents lived in a drafty two-story log structure the farm was supposed to be as self-sustaining as possible so there was a large chicken house a barn for livestock, and a garden area any residents who were capable were expected to help tend the animals and garden conditions were never ideal for the inmates Every year, a grand jury of local citizens were tasked with the job of visiting the facility and reporting to the court what they had found. Newspaper accounts consistently lamented the terrible state of the unfortunate occupants, but noted that the superintendents did the best with what resources were available. No doubt, during her tenure there, Caroline observed the mannerisms of the mentally challenged souls. Henry Gashy was the son of Swiss immigrants Casper and Terra Gashy. Little Henry arrived in America with his mother in 1836, according to research done by a Gashy descendant. Casper was probably already in the country, In 1856, Henry married Matilda Stetzel and moved her into his modest two-story frame house, located on today's Highway BB near Hillsboro. The house consisted of two downstairs rooms that were used as bedrooms, with a kitchen addition that jutted off the left room. There were two additional bedrooms upstairs. Henry and Matilda also had three children before her death in 1861. The following year, Henry married Mrs. Caroline McFry John. This marriage produced an additional four children. In later years, it has been speculated that Caroline may have suffered from severe postpartum depression. She had been exhibiting signs of instability at least three or four years prior to the murder of Henry Gashy. In 1871, she moved out of his house long enough for him to take out an advertisement in the local newspaper, declaring that he would not be responsible for any debts she incurred. However, he made it clear he would continue to provide for the needs of all the children, including his stepchildren. Despite the marital difficulties, Carolyn apparently returned to his home some time before that fateful September morning in 1872. Adding to her stress was the recent death of her mother, Dosha McFry. It took Omer less than 10 minutes to reach Dr. Charles Pipkin's house. The doctor alerted Peter Jenny, who stopped to pick up Adam Hassel to accompany him to the Gashy home. When Dr. Pipkin arrived, he found Caroline standing calmly in the kitchen with her arms folded. She indicated that Henry was in the adjoining room. There were two beds situated in the room. Henry Gashy was on his back in the bed on the southwest wall of the room. Although mostly incoherent, Henry shook the doctor's hand. His skull was fractured across the right brow, slanted downward toward his nose about the length and width of a man's finger. His brain was exposed and oozing down both sides of his face. Dark blood ran out of his left eye and his right eye was swollen shut. Blood and brain matter was splattered on the wall and was leaking onto the bed. It appeared to be an axe wound. Who did this to you, Henry? Dr. Pipkin asked. Henry mumbled something that sounded like the ensigns over the bluff, but it was impossible to understand him clearly. Carefully, Dr. Pipkin reached into the open gash and fished out a few of the fractured bones. The doctor turned to Caroline, who was in the doorway between the kitchen and bedroom, coolly observing. What happened here? The doctor asked her. Will he live? She asked. No, Dr. Pipkin replied. She considered his answer a moment. I was asleep with the baby on the other side when I heard a lick. "'I opened my eyes to see someone run past me and into the kitchen,' she said. "'It was just about sun up, so it was too dark to make out who it was. "'But I followed him to the door and saw him run around the corner. "'Then I came back in and asked Henry if he was hurt. "'The arrival of Peter Jenny, and Adam Hassel "'was announced by the barking of the family's two dogs. "'Why hadn't they sounded the alarm when the murderer arrived?' Upon entering the house, the men were startled to see Caroline building a fire and fixing breakfast, as if nothing unusual was happening. After hearing her version of the events, they went out to investigate and noticed an axe about six steps from the kitchen door, leaning against the shaving horse near a woodpile. The morning was heavy with dew, but the axe was dry and clean they looked for footprints but only found the bare footprints of a boy leading to the stable the axe was brought into the house and matched the shape and length of the wound it seemed likely to be the murder weapon it didn't take long for the word to spread and for people to begin arriving at the house neighbors were mystified why anyone would hurt such a fine and up- standing man who had no obvious enemies the children apparently loved and respected him even declaring that he treated them all the same whether his natural children or his stepchildren suspicion turned to caroline whose cool and calm demeanor seemed out of place with the circumstances On Monday evening, September 2nd, 1872, at about 9 o'clock p.m., Henry breathed his last. He had lingered in agony for 38 hours and 35 minutes, the doctor later stated. An arrest warrant was issued by Sullivan Fraser and immediately served on Carolyn Gashie on Tuesday morning, and she was escorted by Sheriff Moss and Constable Thomas A. Williams to Hillsborough. She waived her right to an examination and was taken to jail. Was Caroline Gashy a cold-blooded killer or a very sick woman? Evidence clearly cast suspicion on her guilt. Even her own children testified that they fully believed she had committed the murder. Caroline's father, George Washington McFry, hired J.L. Thomas, the county's most prestigious attorney, to represent his daughter mister thomas entered a plea of insanity on behalf of Caroline, and according to newspaper accounts was able to aptly support that notion with multiple witnesses. The trial commenced on Thursday, January sixteenth eighteen seventy three, and concluded Saturday, January eighteenth. Evidence was presented that Caroline had been exhibiting signs of mental instability, often known, for at least three years. The strategy worked, as it only took the jury about 30 minutes to return with a verdict of not guilty by reason of insanity. After his term at the poor farm, George McFry had moved to Cedar Hill to live near his daughter Mary Ann Kroll, wife of Dr. Amandus Kroll. Mrs. Gashy was released into the custody of her father and was taken to his home by her brother, G.W. McFry, Jr., who had stood by her throughout the ordeal. The following Wednesday, her father brought her back to court to ask a jury to have her committed to the state lunatic asylum because her condition was becoming worse. The court agreed and ruled that she was to be taken the following week to Fulton, Missouri. January 1873 proved to be bitter cold in Missouri. Basically orphans now, Caroline's children were split up among her married siblings to be raised. Around 11 o'clock a.m. Tuesday morning, January 28th, she managed to slip out of the house wearing nothing but her nightgown. A frantic search ensued throughout that day and night and into the following day. She was finally located at the old family property near Morse Mill, nearly frozen to death and weeping at her mother's grave. She had walked barefoot about 15 miles in the freezing cold, and the result was the loss of several toes to frostbite. The last week of March 1873, Caroline Gashi was escorted by Sheriff Moss and Dan Jarvis to the Fulton Lunatic Asylum, according to the local Jefferson Democrat. She remained there alone and forgotten until 1879, when the asylum deemed that she was incurable, and released her to go home. Her father, in poor health himself, just prior to his own death, had arranged for her to spend the rest of her days at the Jefferson County Poor Farm. She died there January 1884, and is buried in an unmarked grave somewhere on the property. Despite the tragedy of their lives, the Gashy John children were fortunate in that they were taken in by loving families. They grew to be fine, upstanding members of the community. The story of Caroline McFry is a sad and haunting tale of mental illness and despair. Perhaps the telling of it will finally give Caroline's memory some peace. We hope that you have enjoyed this production of Murder and Mayhem in Jefferson County, Missouri, brought to you by the Jefferson County Library Genealogy Department, located at the Northwest Branch, 5680 Highway PP, High Ridge, Missouri. For more information, call 636 677 8186 or email m h-u-d-s-o-n at jeffcolibe.org Please join us Tuesday at 5pm for another episode about an 1880 love triangle as we learn about murder in the cornfield.